Mark Malusis jumps on with us, PIX 11 in New York, lead sports anchor, also a uh, a very, very good insight and voice when it comes to the ponies. We got the Preakness coming up this weekend. It's kind of a weird setup because you only have eight horses in the Preakness this year. It's the first time in 75 years only one horse from the Kentucky Derby is going to race in this. Does that kind of change your outlook or how you're looking at this race at all, given the fact it's going to be a lot of different horses than what we saw in the Kentucky Derby? Yeah, it's just not a particularly good field. First off, good evening, guys. Thanks for having me on. It, it's really not an overly deep field, and and uh, the field of eight might get whittled down to seven tomorrow. There's a lot of rumblings that that first mission, number eight, uh, five to two on the morning line, is going to scratch out tomorrow morning out of the race. We'll see if all those rumors uh, end up being true, but he was one of the ones that uh, potentially could beat Mage. Um, yeah, it's not an overly deep field. The uh, field is not – overly you know it, there's not a lot of quality in the field it, it's not a particularly great rendition of the preakness that's why mage is eight to five on the morning line you know some horses obviously skipping this race maybe pointing to the belmont or looking at you know other races over the course of the summer whether it be the haskell down in monmouth uh, the travers up at saratoga and stuff like that so if you don't win it i'm surprised that really the only horse coming out of the derby is mage the winner I, I, usually that does happen outside of last year with rich strike but uh, because the the pursuit of the triple crown, but yeah, it's just not a great field. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, it's just not. Yeah, and two weeks after the Derby, kind of losing its luster a little bit. Who would you, you know? And obviously, we'll wait till the morning day lines. But who do you like? You got National Treasure, who kind of held his own against the top two year olds last year. You got First Mission. You got Perform. Who would you look at other than Mage? Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm not a huge fan of National Treasure. I'm yeah. not. I know he's been a huge buzz horse, and Bob Baffert's picked up training him once again. Timmy Octane was kind of the ghost trainer while while he was pursuing potentially going to uh, the Kentucky Derby. Didn't make it there. I think he's the lone speed of the race, ridden by John Velasquez. The problem I have is he couldn't finish at a mile and eighth or a mile and a sixteenth out on basically, you know, the concrete that is Southern California racing. What made me would be, be what would make me to believe. That he's all of a sudden going to finish at a mile and a three sixteenth. I'm just, you know, he's he's well bred. I'm just not a fan of him. Uh, I wouldn't bet him at four to one. Could he win the race? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's out, outlandish. Baffert's had a lot of success historically at the Preakness, but I'm not going to be on National Treasure. Obviously, Mage. The running style, unfortunately, for Mage, coming from well off the pace, he's not really handy. You can't move him. He's not going to be sitting first flight. He can't be sitting right off the lead. You know, historically, you look at his four races. He's got. He's going to be coming from off the pace. Is he going to get enough pace on Saturday in order to win it? Um, perform visually impressive in his last race to Federico Tessio. However, if you're looking at him from a buyer speed figure, he's just he's just not as fast as either National Treasure or Mage or First Mission. Uh, if he does give it a go, I think he's one of the ones that could take down Mage. I also think Blazing Sevens is probably where I'm going to land on Saturday. Brad Ortiz, Chad Brown, they point him toward the Preakness. If you look at it, uh, and look at his last race at the Bluegrass. He had a, a terrible run in the Fountain of Youth at Gulfstream Park, but last run at the at the Bluegrass made a, a threatening move on the far turn, flattened out in the lane. I think he's going to improve, and I think when you look at his past buyer speed figures, he's fast enough to be able to be contention uh, to be in contention. He's six to one on the morning line. However, the problem: all these odds are going to get obliterated. First mission ends yeah. up scratching tomorrow morning. He's five to two on the morning line. You're not going to get six to one on Blazing Sevens. I, w I wouldn't bet perform at anything under 10 to 1. 
uh, and Mage is probably going to go off anywhere from probably four to five to three to five. Yeah, I'm glad that you actually brought up uh, Blazing Sevens. That's what I'm looking at right now, and I was looking offshore because of uh, Chad Brown, his success obviously in the event. Is that important for you, obviously, uh, when you got a trainer like Chad Brown in this right here at the Preakness? Yeah, I think it. I mean, I think it helps. Listen, he's been he's been uber successful. When you look at a lot of turf runners, he's had a lot of success of bringing over European runners and winning on the turf, and he's had success at the Preakness. He won last year, hit him at five to one last year, winning this one. Um, I think when you look at the trainer, that does and the human connections, nothing better than Chad Brown and Irad Ortiz. But then you have to look at whether or not the, the horse is indeed good enough to win. If the race is going to set up for him, and I think the way for Blazing Sevens, the race could set up for him is. If he's sitting just and gets first run on Mage um, and sitting, you know, maybe in second flight just behind National Treasure, uh, gets a little bit of pace but is able to overcome National Treasure at the top of the lane and then hold off Mage late. I think that would be the way that you'd think of Blazing Sevens win the Preakness on Saturday. We love having you on, Mark, because you're a a renaissance man, multi-sport, fascinating uh, in terms of your commentary and in terms of your handicapping. I did want to get your thoughts on just how the Knicks went out and and what they need to do in order to make a move and a jump in a a very crowded Eastern Conference. Uh, Obviously, losing to the Heat is respectable considering how they're just blasting through everyone, but it does feel like there's some work to do on the roster. Yeah, they they need shooters, Trista. I mean, we all watched it and we all see it. I mean, you you can't have you can't be as inconsistent as they are from behind the arc. Where Jalen Brunson, and IQ wasn't the same after Brockton won the Sixth Man of the Year, but uh, they need more spot up shooters. That's the one thing when you look at Miami last night. They were sixteen of thirty one from behind the arc when their guys are knocking down the outside shot, which is the modern day NBA. So Brunson's a stud. You know, Nick fans were waiting for some superstar to step in and kind of resurrect the Nick franchise. I don't think anyone ever expected Jalen Brunson to establish himself what he did year one, but, you know, he's an absolute star and he's in the face of the franchise. Now you have a question of, okay, what do you do? Because I think Nick fans are now clamoring after another disastrous playoffs for Julius Randle with the ankle injury to say, well, what can we get for Julius Randle? Well, the right deal, and you're going to get out all these outlandish trade proposals. Well, go get Dame Lillard. Go get Carl Anthony Towns. Call the New Orleans Pelicans. See if Zion's available. <laughs> well, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, it would all look great. It would all be fantastic. Um, but they need they need another number two or a guy that can run with Jalen Brunson. And I think R.J. Barrett's a nice player. I think he's more of a complimentary piece. You know, I don't I don't necessarily see him taking that next step. Um, I I don't think his game has naturally improved since Duke. I think, think the same issues you had of him as a prospect coming out of Duke you have now. Two left-handed oriented, doesn't hit consistently at free throws, an inconsistent outside shooter. Is he a willing defender? Even this year, within his offense struggled, his defense struggled as well, where you found him on the bench sometimes in the fourth quarter due to defensive matchups. So it was a massive step forward. Listen, I grew up a Nick fan, and they've been more embarrassing than anything else. The glory days, 99-99, when they made the run as the eighth seed. I know it was a condensed NBA season, but still shortened season. But I'll take it as a Nick fan, 94, when they lost to the Rockets in the NBA Finals. Um, <clears throat> took a massive step forward this year. I think for Nick fans, you have to appreciate that. Now it's on Leon Rose to see, okay, what's next? They missed on Donovan Mitchell last year. Where's the guy that you're going to bring in here to take this organization to another level? Because this group, I don't think even with another year of experience, is good enough. Yeah, just really quickly, you mentioned Carl Anthony Towns. I don't understand that because it just kind of feels like he's a like not a mentally strong player for a New York market. People bang on Julius Randle, but Carl Anthony Towns is even softer. 
fair, but the thing is, is whose game is a little bit better, right? And yeah. I know that yeah, I know Towns didn't, and and Thibodeau didn't necessarily see eye to eye in Minnesota. Reports are you talk to people if they've kind of meshed some things and uh, mesh and 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 mesh that out and and rectified some things that Thibodeau would be happy to call uh, to coach Carl Anthony Towns once again. I think the issue is okay. Yeah, you're not wrong. The you know rabbit ears when you're looking at at Julius Randle at times, and you see with Carl Anthony Towns whose game. It has a little bit of a higher level to it. I think we'd all admit that it's cat. Maybe it doesn't necessarily work here in New York. They need somebody to knock down outside shots. Mm -hmm. I mean, they really do because you saw with Miami with their help defense, clog the lane, take any kind of driving lane, kick it out. We dare you to make the three. You might get hot for a quarter. You might get a hot for 12 minutes. You are not going to stay hot the entire game. The Knicks beat the Cleveland Cavaliers. They shot 25% from behind the arc. They did that because they bullied Cleveland, basically took their soul in that series. They couldn't do that against Miami, and their outside shooting was atrocious. Talking to Mark Malusis, BetMGM tonight. Got about a minute or so here. What do you see the end scenario being with the Saquon Barkley Giants situation? They pulled their offer to him. He obviously wants more money. It's always very tenuous when it comes to running backs and teams at this point, it feels like, in the NFL. Yeah, it is, because I think Barkley wants to get paid. I think the, the Giants are willing to pay him, but they're not looking to pay him, you know, a Christian McCaffrey kind of money because they're going to factor in. First off, Shane didn't draft him, and he's got a history of injuries. Uh, I think eventually cooler heads will prevail. I think I think Barkley will get a contract. I'm surprised it's lasted as long as it did. Got to remember, they opened up negotiations during the bye week of the regular season and tried to get a deal done. So, you know, he'll be here. Um I think a deal will eventually get done. I think Barkley, he doesn't want to play for any other organization. I think the Giants understand the importance of, of what Saquon, Saquon represents in this offense as well. Mark Malusis, always appreciate it. Thanks, Moose. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Moose. Guys, thanks for having me as always. <laughs> <laughs>